podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Rangers Rabble on the Thursday Live Pod. Uh, my name's Brian, and tonight I'm joined by John, Wolf, and Elaine. Elaine, making our debut. How are you doing, guys? Very good. Very well, thank you. Yeah, fine, thanks, Brian. So, we'll uh, horse right into the, the negative stuff, and Wolf, the news came out today that the club have banned fans for apparent uh, sectarian singing. What do you make of it? Um, I've, I've got quite a lot of views about this. I think, for a start, I don't condone any sort of sectarian or racist or anything like that behaviour. Um, and if what was allegedly sung was sung, then they deserve what's coming to them. Um, I need to say that right off the bat. Um, the the thing that the thing that I don't really understand is I always thought in this country you were innocent until you were proven guilty. So unless these three guys that are concerned have said, yes, I was there, and yes, that's what I was singing, then they've been, they've been hung out to dry. And the only way I think we could do that is they're guilty by association, because they were obviously there. They've obviously got proof that they were part of the, the crowd walking through Glasgow singing whatever was getting sung. So if they've got proof of that and they're saying that they're guilty by association, why is there only three of them being arrested and um, and banned from Ibrox? Because if it's guilt, because I can't see anybody standing up and saying, yeah, it was me and yes, I was singing that song. Right? Uh, I haven't watched the video. I don't know whether the famine song is what was being sung. I've seen things on social media saying um, it could the video could have been doctored. I don't know because I haven't watched it because... I don't really want to watch it. The song, the song's repulsive. It's it needs done away with. I haven't heard it sung at the football in many, many years. So I don't know whether they would have sung it or not. If they did, they're stupid. Because at the end of the day, if, if groups of groups of so-called Rangers fans aren't walking about singing songs that they know is going to get us into trouble, things like this aren't going to happen. But my biggest concern with it is if I'm guilty by association, any one of us could be found guilty by association if we in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to it's very difficult, Elaine, isn't it? I mean, this this guilty by association is what it looks like it's gonna be going down as now. And as Will says, you, you could be just walking down the street innocently and guys next to you start doing stuff and that could be you, couldn't it? I think certainly I'd pick up on what Will said in terms of condemning it. Uh, completely agree. I think people need to be smarter. It shouldn't be sung anyway. Um, you're causing trouble for the club. Everyone knows that. It's you know it's daft. Uh, it's not acceptable. But I would totally agree in terms of three people. Um, like Will, I've actually not watched the video. But there was obviously far, far more than three. Uh, I think from speaking to Martin earlier, it's the three that have been charged and that's why the club have acted so quickly to ban those three. Um, obviously, it's an indefinite ban. So I presume that whatever happens, you know, if they are found guilty, then that will be upheld. But I would, yeah, again, expect that if it's only three people, how, you, you know, how are those, or why are those the only three that have been charged? Yeah. And um, John... 
I'll just ask you the same question, not to spin it any other way, but what's your take on the whole situation? Well, I'm glad you came to me last, uh, actually, because I agree with uh, Elaine and Wilf. I, I, I can completely agree that, that that sort of singing and chanting is no place for it in a modern society. People shouldn't be doing it. It's nasty. It's bigoted. People say it's racist. People say it's sectarian. People are putting their spin on it. But for me, it's nasty, and, it's, and I can't condone that sort of behaviour. It was the second high-profile uh, piece of evidence presented or shown Rangers fans to be in a very, very bad light within within a space of seven seven days or so. So I completely agree that there's no place in a modern society for that sort of chanting. I've seen the videos. I think I have some debate as to whether I'm not saying they didn't sing it, no, because police with body cam, etc. Body cameras would have seen it, heard it, picked it up. I think they should have acted on it. Uh, maybe a bit quicker, maybe at a time. I think the people were involved if, if they are guilty and people are innocent to prove them guilty, I think there's there's no place for them back uh, back at football, back 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 in our ground. But the, the one question I would I would like to say is, and I know we'll discuss it, is where exactly does the jurisdiction for Rangers end? Is it at the stadium? Is it around the stadium? Is it a mile from the stadium? Is it fifty miles from the stadium? You know, if someone commits a murder in George Square tonight, who gets the blame for that? You know, is it the Scottish government because they control the police? You know, Rangers have been, Rangers and their fans have been held to a higher standard than anyone else in this country, and and that that's that's the only question that I have. That's only is is where is, where does the jurisdiction and the responsibility of Rangers start and end? Because back last year, or in the last season, we could have done more for the fans outside the ground. We should have stopped fans from marching to George Square. We should have stopped fans from going to George Square. Where is the line drawn of where that is a, a society issue or where it's a Rangers issue? Now, I agree, as a fan base, we have an element within our support who, who sing bigoted songs, who sing sectarian songs. I don't hear much of the racist chanting or racist songs, but all I would say is who got to decide whether it was racist or whether it was sectarian, because Rangers use both of those words in their statement today. Well, it's a question that Curry Munch has just raised. When did it become okay for a football club to judge what fans do in their own time? So basically saying, you know, where does the jurisdiction stop, Well, I mean, this is just going arms and legs, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, John John makes a very valid point. Where does, where does the jurisdiction end? But, I mean, it's it's been fairly obvious for a number of years that, again, as John says, we're, we're held to a higher account than anybody else. I mean, go back 15, 20 years ago, you know, there was this uproar, you can't sing the Billy Boys, you can't sing this, you can't sing that. Rangers went, tell you what, we'll try and get the fans to stop it. And the fans stopped it. So they went, oh, no, that, but you can't sing this now. So and other songs that they come up with, we stopped singing them. You know, the, the, famine, the famine song, which is the song we're talking about, this situation tonight, that was flagged up a few years ago. And that doesn't get sung at, at the ground anymore by the supporters. Now, They've said stop singing these songs. The supporters have stopped singing these songs. I was, I found it incredible that the Rangers stopped singing the Billy Boys because, as I was growing up, John, John will be the same. Probably you're probably the same, Brian. Possibly before your your time, Elaine. Um, <laughs> that every time Rangers scored, it was a chorus of the Billy Boys. Every single time we scored, whoever we were playing against, it was a chorus of the Billy Boys. That stopped almost overnight because they said, "Look, you need to stop singing that. The club's getting into bother." So, mm -hmm. what, what more can Rangers as a football club do than 
than they have done. And for everything they've done, instead of them saying, Rangers are getting results here, you know, they're, they're, they're stopping things you want them to stop. It's just, ah, you've done that, but what about this and what about this and what about this? You know, everything, they always find something else to have a dig at us for. Enough. It strikes me that at the moment, being a Rangers supporter in Scotland is a very, very dangerous thing because you're only, you're probably only around the corner from getting something into all sorts of bother for not doing or saying anything that nobody else is doing or saying. You know, because we're held, to, we're held to a higher regard. Absolutely held to a higher regard. And Elaine, we'll take that next question to you. Um, in the, the regards to the club and the fans being held to a higher regard, um, the MSPs are starting to pop their heads up again above the parapet. They are indeed, yes. Um, do you know, I I don't particularly pay too much attention because um, maybe I should, maybe I should pay a wee bit more. It does certainly seem that um, certain MSPs do have a lot to say about Rangers. Uh, and I would agree with Wilf that there has been, there have been big strides. Um, we sometimes don't help ourselves. There's an element of the fan base that don't help ourselves. Um, but I don't know what more as a fan that the club could really have done. We've had the emails, we've had the songbooks um, change. We've had the, I mean, we even went through a spell where the season tickets came with a reprinted songbook. What's acceptable, what's not? Um, mm -hmm. I think the, the club are taking a really, really harsh, well, you say harsh stance, it's probably what they have to do, um, whether you agree with it or not. Um, I think it is the correct thing to do if these guys are found to have been done what allegedly they have done. The club are taking a really strong stance. The club took a really strong stance last week. I don't think that's really been recognised. And it would be, you know, I can understand people saying that um, Rangers do have an element of a problem. And there's no point in saying, oh, well, this club does this or these clubs fans do that. If we get our house in order and if we act as we should, then we don't give anyone the chance to come at us. So we need to get our house in order before starting to say, you know, they do that, or but what they but they sing this. Um, I, I'd like to do that certainly, um, but I would also like them to maybe be slightly more balanced and be accepting of the good effort or the good work that Rangers have done up to now. Yeah, John, are you? Um... But well, I, don't, I wouldn't say we're unsurprised about the certain people raising their heads now, would you say? It's the same old story, isn't it? It is. And, and when events happen elsewhere, you know, there's a famous phrase, I think it was around about, was it uh, the, around about September the 11th, where someone said, today would be a good day to bury bad news. This is, Rangers are caught in this storm constantly of this would be a good time to bury bad news. You know, certain people's Twitter goes dark when events happen elsewhere, when other football clubs fans do anything. They're, they're incommunicado. They're not on Twitter. We've had an MSP or an MP this week saying he had to lock his Twitter account because of hateful comments, etc. There might have been some hateful comments. I, I don't follow this gentleman on Twitter, uh, an MP or an MSP for the south of Glasgow. But he had to close his Twitter account because people were pointing, pointing out his his inaccuracy where he said if the, the fake video the, for the Rangers players was fake, he would apologise. And then when we talk about a higher burden of proof, when Police Scotland said that video was fake, they demanded to see the evidence. What other club has to provide evidence 
you know, if the police say you're innocent or guilty, then we That's have it. MSPs saying, I, I demand, how did you get to that conclusion? Now, that's what we pay our police officers for. You know, we expect we, they get paid and they're judged to investigate and come up with a fair and reasonable solution to these things. And the MSP we're talking about, and I'll just, it's, it's tweet from today, and I, I know I need to be careful, but I was on Twitter to a BBC journalist who has currently had his press privileges revoked with not old firm Chris Rangers, and it was racist singing, not sectarian. I know you take this sort of stuff very seriously. That's why we need to ensure the language is spot on. Now, that's him, that's a, that's him covertly or incovertly saying, you need to be on message here. You're not following the line. You know. And as I go back to what the, the singing about the Japanese player last week was discussing, that was racist. And people can argue about is singing about you know, people from Ireland, is it racist? Is it sectarian? Is the Irish a race? Is it not? It goes back to the same argument for the tat for tat where we accuse other fans of another club in Glasgow of sectarian singing and they say it's not sectarian, it's political. Mm-hmm. You know, where are the guidelines? You know, but John, I, but John I, that, yeah, that's yeah. That, that's that's why the the uh, the politician that you're you're talking about tweeted what he tweeted that it's anti Irish racism because he had a meeting, I believe, yeah. uh, at the start in the summer or the, or the end of last season or whenever with the a certain Celtic fans group and they said make yeah. sure that you're not using sectarian you're using anti-Irish racism because yeah. if it's sectarian they can turn around to us and say you're being sectarian but yeah. they, they claim not to throw out anti-Irish racism that's yeah. why he keeps peddling this anti-Irish racism it's yeah. it's only to kick us it's only to get us now yeah. I'm completely against what about the I don't, I don't really care what they what they get up to because they get away with it we know they'll get away with it Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't waste my time saying, well, hold on, they did this, they did this, they did this, because they've got a compliant media, they've got compliant politicians, you know, they've got, they don't, the media don't care about us because they know that majority of Rangers supporters don't buy, don't buy their papers. So it's not harm, it's not harming them to have a pop at us. Mm-hmm. The, the people in government in Scotland know that majority of Rangers fans don't agree with their, with their politics because. I think I'm, it'd be safe to say that the majority of Rangers supporters are, are pro-union, don't want to break up with the union, so they're obviously not, not national, don't have nationalist tendencies. So they don't care if they upset us because they're not losing votes, but they're pandering to the people that they know could cost them their positions in power. That's why they're coming out with stuff like anti-Irish. I mean, the anti-Irish racism thing, it was told, it was told to the, the, the politician concerned by a Celtic fans group. That's why he uses it. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, what, what chance have we got? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, you, you and maybe I think, Elaine, I'm, I'm going to do you a disservice here and, and, and say that maybe you are young, but younger than Wilf and myself. And maybe, uh, Brian, I don't know if you would have been old enough. That's right. I, I, I have seen one banner at Ibrox that was deemed to be offensive in all the years, and it was in the Govan stand, and it was a signpost. It said, pointed to Ireland, and pointed to a cartoon bus with Celtic supporters in it. Well, they were in green and white striped jerseys because copyright a certain journalist. Maybe they weren't Celtic fans were wearing green and white striped jerseys, but however, and it was a signpost that said Ireland and there was a bus. And that banner was deemed to be offensive. You know, and again, that could lead on to the, the famine song because they go home chant or whatever. Yeah, because 
we were reminding them of what they wanted to be. They claimed to be from that country and claimed to be Irish, etc. And I thought it was humorous at the time, bearing in mind this was a long, long, a few years ago, and that banner was deemed to be offensive. You know, whilst, whilst I'm sorry, but what about it? The worst thing I've ever seen in a football ground is hanging effigies. Yep, I do, you do know, that. You know, yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and, and my argument all the time is, I'm sorry about the what about it is, whenever I'm reminded of my moral code by other football fans, I tweet that picture and say, I'm sorry, guys, but that's the worst day ever in football. And say, that's the worst thing I've ever seen inside a football ground. But we're not here to talk about it. But how do we stop it? How do we stop our fans from, from being embroiled in it? Hmm. That's that's the problem. We need to, as a fan base, as Elaine said, we need to be smarter. If yeah. if we don't have people purporting to be Rangers fans singing songs that are obviously offensive, like the song about the, the Japanese player, like the famine song, that are openly offensive. If we're not doing it, they've got nothing to beat us with. They don't have a stick to beat. Yeah. They'll they'll try and find something. They'll yeah. throw back. They'll throw back through your social media to. 1860 and stuff like that, find stuff that you said when the cavemen were running about or whatever, you know, that wasn't offensive back then. You know, they'll, they'll find that and let, and let them go and try and find it because people just laugh at them and go, Why are you wasting your time going all that all that way back? You know, everybody, everybody's kind of grown up, it's different times now. But yeah. the, 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 the fan base really need to get smarter. They really, I mean, it's more or less stopped inside stadiums because the mm -hmm. two incidents this in the last seven days one's been on a bus and one's been, one's been in the street. It's not happening well, in the ground because they know in the ground they can get fingered by CCTV. I think that's why the club are being so, you know, being so firm and have taken such swift action because I think they're sort of backed into a corner to a point where if people are now putting it on the club, the club have to be seen to be doing something. Um, and as I said before, whether you agree with it or not, the club have to be proactive and being so strong and being so firm so quickly is potentially just trying to send that message out to say stop because even if it hasn't gone to a trial yet, this is what you, you're going to lose uh, access, you're going to be banned for life. So therefore, yeah, yeah. just don't do it. Well, what, Elaine, what they do, you've had a, you've had a nice wee welcome there. <laughs> nice and easy. <laughs> nice and easy. What these people that are, that are singing the songs don't understand this, right? I mean, they obviously know they're doing it to wind people up, but they're, get, they're going to get themselves into bother, right? Now, mm -hmm. if it's obviously when he, go, when he goes to trial and things like that, the names come out, right? And if they've got a job, the chances are they'll probably lose it, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll find it very difficult to get another one, irrespective of what happens to them. As soon as their name's out there, they'll be they'll be tagged with their, their, their either bigots or their racists or however, however they, they frame it. You know, so they have to be a lot smarter. You know, I mean, I noticed the, the, the three guys arrested. One of them was twenty six. Going by uh, the, the thing, the statements of the police. That was my next question: was what age are they? You because know. I think in my head, I was almost trying to think again, absolutely condemning it and not trying to look for justification at all. But I was wondering whether it was going to be when you were saying there whether it was going to be like sixteen, seventeen, and maybe they have it. They you know, they were no, I know, young lads. One was 26, I think one was 21, and the other one was 19, I think, if I'm remembering that something right. Like so that, 24, 24, yeah, it was, it was something like that. It wasn't 15 and 16 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think yeah. the youngest of the three was 19, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I suppose that's the next question, and maybe you've started already, but what, what will happen next? I mean, where do we go from here, John? Well, just 
I, I think I know what will happen next, but see, to put a lid on this, now, I'm going to say something a bit controversial here, and it's, some people have picked up. Twice on Sunday, the Billy Boys was sung. Let's not kid anybody else on. Mm-hmm. Twice on Sunday, the Billy Boys was sung. Once it was sung in its entirety, and once it was sung possibly, but maybe until the really offensive line. I want the, I want the club now. Remember, we used to bring Andy Cameron out, who was a hell of a singer. You know, and, and God, if you remember back to that, I'm a teddy bear or whatever, when you were on hold trying to get to the ticket office. Remember those days, guys? <laughs> you know, but I, I would like the club. Now, I don't care if it's Stuart Robertson. I don't care if it's Gerard to come out and say, right, guys, it's not about being smarter. It's not about being, don't video yourself or don't put on social media. I don't want to hear the Billy Boys. I didn't agree with the banning of it, but if, the, if it's against the law, then it's against the law. There's a lot of things I don't agree with. In law, but however, if they tell you don't do it, it's against the law, then don't don't do it. We shouldn't be singing about the Billy Boys. We shouldn't be singing about the F words, and I don't mean the famine word. I mean the other word. And there's a line that somebody's put in the comments. We should tell no one likes us. We don't care. Yeah, every time we sing that song, we all know the line that's coming next about a club we don't like and a certain demographic we don't like. Yeah. You know that the word that F word should not be muttered inside Ibrox. The Billy Boys should not be sung. We shouldn't be singing about the Pope. And honestly, the one I don't get is, why we sing about Bobby Sands? I don't care about Bobby Sands unless he scores a last-minute winner against us. You know? Uh, just I just wish we wouldn't sing, you know, and just have somebody come out with a microphone and say, do you know what, guys? There's 50,000 in here today. See if you want to sing it. Leave a ground, go now. And then everybody else is staying in, because everybody will agree. We just need to say, do you know what? That, that no mixed messages, no coded, no no little red books or blue books. Say Billy Boys band, the F word band, you know the Pope band, you know, and also, you know, let's you know let's be big and brave about it, you know. Why, because why can't, why can't no, we just why can't we sing songs about about our football club? You know, exactly. we, we've got we've got dozens and dozens. We've got more songs about Rangers than, than every other club have about their clubs put together. I would I would I would wager. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and. Sing, and sing them without the ad. I know a lot of them have been been bastardised yeah. in the vinyls, but yeah. sing them without that. Sing them in their in their true forms. You know, but, well, we can, and, with some some yeah, our, our songs we can, but some of the songs they they do have the add-ons. You know, and and even if you don't sing the add-ons, people will look out for it. Even if you say, even even if you sing "Follow Follow," the true words to "Follow Follow," people will claim that they have. Now, "Follow Follow" is a fantastic song. Four lads had a dream is a fantastic song. But whenever we sing Four Lads Have a Dream, then Four Lads Have a Dream, sorry, then they think, oh, we must be singing other words. Yeah. You know, but but we've got to come out and say, do you know what, guys, there's 50,000 here today. These are the things we're not singing. See if you want to sing them. Please leave the ground now. And let's see people go and go up out of seat and say, do you know what, I'd rather be a 90-minute bigot than, than somewhere else and what, than watch my team. You know, I think because statements are fine. You know, and no matter how many statements we put out, no matter what we do, we'll always be, as we say, judged to a different standard, judged to a higher standard. And it's about time we said, you know what, these are the songs we don't sing. They can give us little books, they can give us proper words, just don't say these words. Like a chat box filter, you know, kind of thing. If you, you know, we need, we just need to say, do you know what, because we can't self-police. If we can self-police, the Billy Boys wouldn't have been sung on Sunday. Now, we don't sing it in European games because we know there's eyes and ears watching us from a particular group. But why was it sung on Sunday? And it wasn't a small minority. 
it was a good percentage of the stadium. Now, I'm not saying 25,000, 30,000. It was a good percentage of the stadium. You know, and we can say that we're all inclusive. Anyone, everyone, we can say that. And our detractors and the people who hate us, they'll say, there you go. Watch back the game. The Billy Boys was sunk. It was sunk. We need to stop it. So, well, I think we'll end that at the, the negative points and we'll move on to something more, well, certainly more positive. Um, our transfer window was wrapped up the other night and we didn't lose any players, Elaine. I think that was the big positive from it. Uh, how did you feel about the overall window as far as incomings and outgoings? Yeah, do you know, I, th- I think we're in a fairly strong position. I think like everyone... I was hoping that there might be one or two wee cheeky signings in the last day. Um, but the overriding feeling, I suppose, was making sure we didn't lose any of the big hitters. So um, we, we obviously finished the season in a brilliant place last year. Going into the season, um, keeping everyone, I don't think many fans would have thought that we would have kept all, all our big names. So that's got to be a huge positive. Uh, of course... You know, like everyone, I'm greedy. I would have loved to have added a few more people. Um, I think the people that we moved on, um, albeit some on loan, um, some going outdoor, I think that you know that was needed. Um, I would have, I would have liked to have seen maybe one or two more additions. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, positive. Yeah, not you know, optimistic about the season ahead. I think we've I think we've done a good job. Wolf, you agree with that? Yeah, I can't really argue with any of that. I mean, I don't. I'm delighted that we didn't lose any of the big hitters. I think that was possibly more down to circumstance because when in the in the wake of the COVID, the club the clubs just get back. You know, everybody's had a, a season with no fans or whatever. You know, there was no there was very there was very little movement in the market. We'd be looking to move in. You know, there was mm. there was there was hundred thousand pound signings, hundred eighty five thousand eighty five million euro bids for players and things from a, from a club that's bankrupt, which is absolutely bizarre. But anyway, um, but we, we'd be looking at, you know, the 10, 15 million pound market. There wasn't a lot of them going about. You know, there wasn't a lot of those things going about. So I think that that's possibly the reason we've kept guys like uh, like Kamara and um, Morelos and things like that. Because that's, we say, there wasn't that money going about. The, the encouraging thing for me was that we turned down a report of 8 million pound bid from Everton for Nathan Patterson. You know, now there's people trying to say, well, we, we have to sell in this window. If we had to sell in this window, Nathan Parts would have been gone for £8 million. Absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. So the fact that he, that he hasn't tells me that we're in a good place. I'm, I'm assuming that the, that the investors and the board of directors have looked at the bigger picture and thought, right, if we keep this squad together, unless we get a ridiculous bid, there's Champions League at the end of this for winning the league. So let's keep it together. Let's let's bring in players that can strengthen the squad without tinkering too much with the first team because the guys that have come in, they're not going to come straight into the first team because they haven't been loose to come straight in but he's come straight back out again because he's just not taking to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've hardly seen Sakala. You know, they're giving them time to, to get used to the way we play and what we do. Whereas if we'd spend 20, 30 million on somebody, you've got to say they're probably going to be straight into the first team. That might kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. So I think what we've done is good, but the encouraging thing for me, we've brought in a couple of guys for the B team. Uh, the, the the young the young Colombian the young Colombian lad and the boy from Man United, boy McCann, and I haven't seen the the, the Colombian lad whose name escapes me, but I've seen a bit a bit of McCann. Alleg- Allegri, was it? Allegri, Allegri that's him. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they both they both look quite good. So mm-hmm. I think it, you know if we were if we were struggling in those positions, we could probably bring them in because they do they do look the part. They're settling into Scottish football. They're playing in the B team, you know. So I think that, that's quite encouraging as well. But for the players that were out, I was a bit surprised to see Cedric get to go out. But I mean, obviously the mm-hmm. guy wants to play games of football. It's not obviously not working for him here. Although when he's coming on, he is scoring goals. Um, yeah. I mean, he's gone to. For me, it's strange where he's gone because he's gone to Gunther Furt or whatever they're called at the, the third bottom the third bottom of the Bundesliga at the moment. And they'll, the they'll be struggling sh- to stay. Uh, they'll be struggling to stay in that league. They've only just come up from uh, from Bundesliga two, you know. Yeah. And it's I, I would have thought that it'd be better putting them into maybe somebody like Hamburg that's up the top of the second division, fighting for titles rather than sort of fighting to avoid relegation. But I don't know. It might, it might be good for the lad. I hope he, I hope he gets loads of games and he plays really well because that means he's, he's either going to come back to yourself all guns blazing or we're going to sell him for at least what we got him for, which is quite important. Yeah, John, I think the, the window was a sort of mix of youth and experience. You could say Lundstrom being the experience and the other guys maybe potential coming in and freeze or minimal, minimal fees. Yeah, sorry, I was just keeping up with the comments. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, I'm too PC and, um, you know, we should be allowed to sing what we want, however, but let's move on for that. uh, Exactly, you know, the transfer window, I tweeted on on Tuesday night that because there was no final day signing, we lost the you didn't sell all your players trophy because that seemed to be going about, you know, you know, I think what we lost recently, we've lost the possession trophy, we've lost the Scott Allen pass trophy, you know, we've lost a. We've. I don't know who holds it. We played really well against Twenty Minutes last season cup. I think it was Hibs. Sir. You know, and now we've lost a. You never sold your players trophy. No. You know, you never get top dollar for your money. We never get the old and belly dollars. You know, for us to keep the team that we had, and you know, every season, I think over the last couple of seasons, Gerald's brought in the team have brought in players earlier than the transfer window, and have allowed them to bed in. You know, and if we'd have signed, signed, so signed Bakuna in the last day, see, we'd have signed Bakuna at 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. People would have said, great, last last minute signing, you know, good. But, you know, it's long gone are the days of the Barry Ferguson one minute to midnight or, or Stephen Naismith signing. Long gone are those days. You know, let's put our trust in the management team. One you know, thing that yeah. Sorry, I'm... On you go. No, on you yeah. go. No, no. One, one thing that I would say is... Um, whilst I'm really glad that we did keep a hold of every, or you have everyone, uh, or everyone certainly that we deemed important, and certainly I'd agree with Wilf as well in terms of us buying, but also us selling the people that mm-hmm. we were wanting to sell and get money for. Realistically, um, yes, you know, we could hope to get 20 million or whatever for Alfie, but that, that's never happening in this transfer window because of the way the market is. Um, I would like to see at some point us starting to be able to cash in on our players. It's great that we've kept everyone together and potentially it is a case of saying, you know, this year, Champions League, that's that's the goal because obviously the money's there. But we do need to get to a point in terms of sustainability, in terms mm-hmm. of saying, right, okay, we've got good assets here. Let's move them on and let's get a bit of money in um, looking at the long term. I think short term, the window was probably quite good, but long term, if we can start to sell people for big money, um, it's the model that we're going to have to have to adapt to. So um, hopefully we'll get there at some point. Well, Elaine, I'm just going to bring up. I'll let you 
we'll come back to this. Celtic have made 50 million in the last eight months. How much have we made in the last 10 years? And now we're going to let Goldson run his contract down. I mean, there's, well, I don't know if he's going to let his contract run down, but Elaine, they, certainly them across the road certainly get their, their money's worth for all their players, don't they? Absolutely. Do you know, we've been sort of different models and, and they have historically got good money for players. And, and I don't know how many times, to a point we see it in the media where their players can be touted for so much money and you're thinking, you know, they'll never get that. And fair enough, you know, Edward last year, they were saying, you know, 25 million and what I think he went for 14. Um, potentially that's to do with the market. Potentially that's, you know, kind of down in tools a wee bit. But by the same token, um, as much as I hate to admit it, that they are good at it. They move players on. They make they make good money for it. Uh, I would like to see us um, follow suit. I'd like to see us make a bit of money as well, um, reinvest it, and, and just be a wee bit smarter in the transfer window as well. Yeah. Uh, you see the problem. The problem. Sorry, Brian. The, pro- the problem go. we've got in that. Um, just to touch on what Elaine said there. You know, they they are they are really good at shifting players on. You know, but while we were down in the lower leagues, they got they got a couple of. Really good, really good deals on up and coming players, and they sold them, and they went on to be huge, huge stars. Look at Van Dyke; they sold Van Dyke to Southampton. He's now he then went for what ever eighty million pound to Liverpool. You know, they've Tierney's gone gone to Arsenal, and he's he's kind of hit the ground running there. They had um, Dembele went away, and he's he's done okay. So they they've got a track record of selling players for good money that have gone on to do well where they've gone. We at the moment don't have that. Because we, because in twenty twelve we were thrown down in divisions, you know, and we were we weren't signing players who were who were then selling for decent money to decent mm-hmm. clubs who were going on and having good careers because we were just concentrating on getting back the way we need to be. So whoever we sell as the first marquee player that goes, we have to get it right, get decent money for him to a good club, and hope he goes somewhere for really silly money as a big success. Then they'll go, well, Rangers sold him for that, so we'll try this guy here. You know, that might have worked if we'd sold Nathan Parts and Devon, which I'm glad we didn't do. But that could yeah. have been the one that, you know, that broke the camel's back. We could have went, right, OK, £8 million, he goes to Everton, hits the ground running for them, then, say, then signs for, I don't know, a Chelsea or a City or whatever for ridiculous money. Then they look back to it and go, he came from Rangers, that looked quite good. You know, they're quite good. And then we end up in the same position in four or five years that Celtic are in just now. I think that's maybe the case, John. We've taken a wee while to get our house in order and get back into the sort of the way that we used to be. And I think now, and certainly in the next couple of seasons, if things go the way they should and we get into the Champions League and places like this, then I think our players will be getting touted for big money soon enough, won't they? I think so. I think, but as the guys have said, I think to get a house in order, I think we've let players go and we've paid players off and we've given players some big contracts and, and not encouraged them to leave. How we can't get rid of Brandon Barker, who looked fantastic when he was at Hibernian, when he, he tore us apart that night. You know, and, and we can't we can't shift Barker because of, because of the contract and, and yeah. the pay he's on. You know, and I think I think once we once we get the first big transfer out out the way where we sell a Morelos for fifteen or twenty million if he goes for that, or a Nathan Patterson or a Kamara, I think other clubs will then see that we're not a soft touch or an easy target. I think we just need to get this first one away. But the, get back to the Goldson thing. If if we win the league this year, then it's the right decision to let Goldson run down his contract but hindsight's a wonderful thing but I think we need to get that first transfer 
because I think the last big ones were probably going back a bit with hunting and boom song and people like that. But we need to get the first big one where we're seen as a club who either develop players, sell on high, or bring players in cheaply and sell on high. Because I think the players we brought in, I don't see them being 15 or 20 million pound players, hopefully. But we thought that about Morelos when Morelos came in for a million. You know, so we need to get that first one over the line, I think. But yeah. there is but there is potential for that, I suppose, when you see some of the fees that we've paid. I mean, you know, yeah. Morelos for a million, Patterson, youth, yeah. you know, there is potential in there for from serious, serious profit, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've, we've got lots of talent in the squad. And I totally agree. Do you know what? Don't sell unless the price is right. Because mm-hmm. um, we don't want to be seen like as a soft touch. We certainly don't want to be seen as if, um, yeah, for not getting value. And at the end of the day, we know what the end goal is, especially this season. It's far more important that we get there. Um, but it's just, it's just one of these things that, as we go on, we are going to have to adapt to it. But th- there's loads of talent in the team. Uh, and certainly, especially with the young boys, um, Patter- Patterson's probably the obvious one. It will be interesting to see, I think, this season how much game time he gets. That's obviously the conundrum, um, whether he can really push on. Um, he's the one that you, w- you would expect would, you know, we could make a good, good money on. We need to get him involved in the transfers. He sold Morelos to Madrid for £40 million in football manager last night. <laughs> we need to get him involved in the transfers. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So, Wilf, going on to the season as it's been so far since pre-season, uh, you know, league, Champions League, how, how, how are you feeling about the start? Good, bad, in between? I think it's prob- probably... I would say it's probably par. It's a sort of... Uh, not, not beating Malmo was an absolute choker. I mean, mm-hmm. not beating Malmo was... Losing to Dundee United, you can, you can cope with that because you're going to lose a game at some point. There's no yeah. way we're going another season undefeated. Mm-hmm. And it's better to get that out of the way, maybe early doors. Not that they ever like getting beat, particularly not with them. But, you know, it's it's one of them. It happened, you know. It happened. We move, we move on. I mean, we're, we're sitting here. I, I thought after the first four games, sitting on 10 points will be a decent start to the season. Well, we're sitting on nine because we lost the game. I didn't expect us to lose. So, yeah, that's okay. The European thing, we've done the, we've done the minimum requirement. The minimum requirement for me was Europa League group stages because I really wanted yeah. the Champions League. But we couldn't do, you know, there's no, way, there's no way we could have ended up the Conference League. That would just have been a disaster. Yeah. So, we've, uh, we've, we've done, we've done the, the bare minimum in Europe, but we've done okay in the league, but we need to kick on from here. I mean, we've got what you could say is a, a decent few games coming up after the after the international break. So we need to hit the ground running and start start racking the start racking the wins up and get back to the top of the league and start pulling away. How are you feeling, John, about the season so far? I need to agree with the guys. You know, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. Mama was a disappointment. Alice Kert was was again a disappointment, but the that whole week was qualify for the Europa League and beat Celtic. So it was a success, even though it wasn't sparkling football. But we had to lose. Well said. We had to lose a game at some point, you know. Uh, lost. We've lost one early, so plenty of time to pick that up. So, yeah, kind of mixed bag. Yeah, for the start of the season, Malmo was a disappointment. But, but I think this year the Europa League is our level. Let's be honest. I think that is our level, and uh, we, we've qualified for that. And uh, 
hopefully we'll get out of the group stages of, of European football after Christmas again, you know? Because I think if we finish third, we fall into the Conference League. But we don't we don't really want that, you know. No, we don't we don't want that, you know, and and but, uh, you know so do, do you agree with this one, Wolf? Uh, United game annoyed me more than the Malmo. Malmo were a better team than we gave them credit for. Yes, we should have beaten them, but they were not a crap team. Kamara was missing definitely cost us. I think you kinda you kinda have to agree with that, don't you? Yeah, I mean Kamara Kamara missing definitely cost us. I mean how I mean, we could we could talk about this ad nauseum, but I mean, the fact the guy got suspended for what happened to him is just incredible, and that's probably cost us a Champions League place because we mm. really missed him in Europe. Mm. Um, the United result really, really, it really did annoy me. It still annoys me, but it happens, and it's, fo- it's football, you know. It, it's um, on on the face of that game, we didn't deserve to win it because we were rubbish yeah. that that day against them, you know. And it's just the way it is. I mean, it's I'm far too long in the tooth to do what I used to do and make excuses all the time. You know, we lost because we lost because we weren't good enough. Simple as that. Yeah. I don't think they deserve to lose the game, but mm. they had the chance. They put it in the net. We didn't. That was end, end the story. Yeah. And I know I sound mm. like an old Rangers dad saying that, and that's fine because I am, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. How did you feel about the start of the season, Lane? I mean, the guys are sort of finding good points and obviously the negatives. Are you kind of on the similar page? Yeah, do you know? I, th- I think you have to be. Um, I yeah, just totally agree with it would have yeah you're never going into this season unbeaten again historically in any season we could go to Tanadice and lose mm-hmm. um so uh, you know is that th- there's a couple of places that we always go and um you can always say it's the age old that certain play uh, certain teams raise their game against us uh, Dundee United's always a bit of a scrap um so you can take that one in the chin Malmo was gutting I think because it was it was the full house it was the yeah under it was just the one that I think we all kind of thought we would push on from from and also I know that I know the comments saying that they were you know they're a better team than we gave them credit for so so were we we're a far better team than what we showed and yeah. I think that's the disappointment is yeah you know see if you get beaten by a team that is better than you or um, you know, you know that you've gone and you've given it everything, but the, I mean, the goals were just catastrophic, and uh, and it's funny because when this, you know, when we got that one back over there, I really thought that was going to be the change. I thought um, when Davis scored, we would really kick on, and I thought the momentum, despite the fact that they'd won, the momentum would be with his eyebrows, and obviously, just didn't happen. So, but you know, stuff to build on. I I wasn't feeling particularly optimistic about going into Sunday. Um, obviously, hold my hands up. I got it totally wrong. I'm feeling far better this week than I was this day. <laughs> well, yeah, last week. So, uh, hope hope we push on. And also, the the international breaks probably come at a good time for us. Get everyone together, and yeah, go from there. Well, that was my next question, Elaine. We've got the Europa League draw came out recently. Um. Obviously, the international breaks came, and obviously, with the COVID situation, some injuries. Did the did the international break come at the right time? And how do you how do you think we'll get on in this this Europa League campaign? I think as long as we get everyone back from the international break with no major COVID issues, uh, certainly no injuries as well. But obviously, um, there's a slight risk with players travelling abroad. Uh, I think as long as we get everyone back, it potentially has come at a very good time for us. Um, obviously, we were. You, after the old, an old firm game, you've got momentum. But um, I think regroup, you can take, you know, the start of the season, it's not been a disaster. Regroup and push on. 
Do you agree, Ralph? Uh, I I absolutely hate international breaks because <laughs> it means I'm not seeing Rangers. But I think this one has come at the right time for us. Uh, as Elaine says, after after beating them, you know you really want the next game the next day just to keep the momentum going. But I mean, given given what I've heard that, that Ryan Kent was told Monday on Monday of last week that you can't you can't play against Celtic because you're injured and he went, Look, I'm going to play and he played at fifty percent and that was obvious by the way he played. Right? Yeah. If it wasn't the international break coming up, Ryan Kent wasn't playing against them. And they're terrified of him, you know. So from that point of view, it certainly come at, come at the right time. It also gives yeah. us a time to get other players fit, you know, to, to get the new players integrated with the squad because I don't think there's that many away. There's a few away, but there's not really that many away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know big, I know big Phil, big Phil's playing just now for Sweden. Uh, Nathan Patterson's with the Scotland squad, but he's isolated because his girlfriend got COVID. I think. <laughs> um, I think that I think that was the word. You know, well, speak- uh, Glenn Kamara's playing tight. So there's a few away, but yeah. there's not that many away. So it gives them all time for a, a good rest to, to get together. Uh, I think you touched you touched on this well earlier. The Champions League would have been great for the cast, but football-wise, Rangers would have taken a few spankings against the quality teams. I think, you know, that's that's a hundred percent sport one. It's, it's possibly yeah. dropping into Europe, the Europa League, if I can say it, is possibly a blessing in disguise because, as, uh, as 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 we said, it's, it's probably our level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but after last season, the pressure of the Europa League is we need to win it because we won the group last year, so we need to win the group this year. Yeah. Um, and it's a strange one this year because if you win the group, you're straight into the last sixteen. Yes. If you finish second, yeah. if you finish second, you play like a knockout round against a Champions League third place team, yeah. which is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you finish third, you go into the Europa League against the Europa League second place team, which is probably going to be easier than if you finish second. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's, yeah. it strikes me as quite strange that you're going to get an easier game if you finish third in your group, potentially than you are if you finish second in the group. But you're going to drop down a competition, you know. It yeah, strikes yeah. me as as really, really strange. But I mean, to ask the answer the question that you asked, you asked the lady, how I think we'll get on in the group. I think it's the same as any European group. If you win your three home games and get at least one point away from home, you'll you'll win the group. Yeah. Because I don't think there's much between the teams. No. Leon, I mean, Leon aren't the team they were. Although I believe they've just they've just signed a. Botang. They signed a. They a German. A German Jerome, fella, yes, Jerome, Jerome, Jerome Botang. That's him, Jerome Botang. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is he is he the German Botang brother, or is he the one that plays for the, the African club? He's the German, the centre half. Because there's, there's two Botang brothers. One plays for Nigeria, Ghana. one plays for Germany, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is daft. So, yeah. you know, so he's he's a decent player, but he's getting on in years. So I think I don't think Leon are the club they were. Yeah. Um, Spart Spart Prague that that will take care of itself. Although I don't think it'll be the nicest. Kind of couple of games of football you'll ever see, and mm. Bronby champions of Denmark, but they're not having a very good season this season. So I'm quietly confident that we'll we'll win the group again. And you, are you feeling good about it, John? Yep, I'm confident that we'll win the the group because uh, looking as well said, Bronby and uh, Leon aren't having the best starts to the league season. Yeah, I know it's very early for Leon, but Bronby are sitting eighth or ninth in the league just now. You know, so Leon are sitting ninth, but they've only played like four matches. So now I'm confident. I think we play a very, very good European style. And I think we're well suited to European nights. You know, and I think the international break, as the guys are saying, international break, I think we'll have a chance to work on the training ground, 
work on a formation. We'll have players coming back, you know, and I think we'll we'll hit the same heights or even even better than what we did last season because we've progressed every season under Gerard in Europe. You know, I've got I've got no worries whatsoever. Well, you know that that we that we'll do well, we'll do well enough. You know, and I think it'd be great to top the group and sprint in the last sixteen. I think that's no, perfectly yeah. that's that comments per, 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 perfectly summed it up. I would say that National Break gave us a chance to regroup, get ourselves yeah. up to speed and ready for our next game. Yeah, if you if if you think someone posted, I think a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, it was uh, all the midfield combinations that we started the first five or six matches, mm. and there wasn't two matches where we've played the same midfield. There's been no two matches when we've played the same forward line. There's been no two matches we've played the same defence. You know, and I know the chopping and changing in centre half doesn't help, but. But I think once you've got Kamara back for Europe, once you've got Jack back, who is will be probably seventy ten days away, a la Rossiter, you know. But and and once you get Ruth back, I, I think I think once we've got everybody back, I think we'll be a very very potent potent side, very potent strike force. And I've got I've got no problem, you know. Once we know our best eleven or thirteen, but I don't think we're quite there yet because of the Euros, the injuries, the COVID, and uh, and the European suspensions because. A league matches were before a European match, so so what sort of team where we're put where we're putting out where we're putting out a team to win a league match, or we're putting out a team to try and win, try and get a formation for the Wednesday night or the Tuesday night for the Champions League or the Europa League, you know, and that chopping and changing. Once the suspensions are gone, I really think, right, this is the eleven or thirteen, and we'll, we'll hit the ground from there. I, th- I think I just seen hold if I just can't try and bring this one up, uh, Elaine. This is a this is a bit of a a funny one for me. You've got Europe, but you've also got what's at the end of this card at this season. I mean, there's no, there's no messing around here. This, this league campaign is probably as important, if not bigger, than last season. Financially, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, last year was everything, and and I don't think anyone would change that. Um, the you know, whilst we don't necessarily like to um, talk about them too much, stopping. The ten was huge. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't change last season for anything, no. uh, even though we weren't in. That was that was the real biggie. Obviously, we're in a funny situation that because we've done so well in Europe um, with the coefficient, we're now in a position where um, I think if we weren't to win it this year and another club were to get in straight into the Champions League, we'd definitely feel hard done by because I think we definitely feel like we've done uh, some of the heavy lifting there. So. Yeah. This season, certainly, yeah. Um, but when you compare Europe to the league, there's only ever going to be one winner. Of course, short term, you want to do well in Europe, but the league any year, but especially this year with with the carrot at the end of it, the Champions League is massive. Yeah, yeah, I would. Well, I, mean, I think, I think, uh, I think the league's the league's going to take care of itself, particularly between now and Christmas time, um, especially if we can, if we can hit the ground running after this break. Because the fact that that other lot are in Europe as well, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a stronger squad than them. I mean, I think they've signed a load of players, but I mean, we don't know how good they're going to be. They might end up they're all world beaters, but we don't know, right? They might all be panel beaters, you know. <laughs> but we we know what we've got, so we can hit the ground running. We know we can cope on domestic front and in Europe. I don't think their their squad's strong enough for that. So, you know, they'll they'll want they'll want them they'll they'll need the money for winning games in Europe. So they'll be throwing things at Europe. So I don't, I don't think their their squad's strong enough to keep the challenge in the league going while they're still in Europe. And the good thing with that is, as we were saying a minute ago, it's very difficult to get knocked out of the Europa League. So unless they completely yeah. crash and burn and finish 
what with the league, what with the, the section, they're going to still be in Europe after Christmas. And with, this, with the, the weaker squad that, that I think they've got, that will help us as well when it goes into the new year. Yeah. You think that's, you agree with that, John? Yeah, I do, because I'm just looking at the next few fixtures. Um, you know, St. Johnson away, you know, I've sold a couple of, couple of their best players, mm. you know, so I think it'd be a good time to get St. Johnson. You know, then Motherwell at home, you know, Livingston in the, in the cup, and then you get Dundee, who give us a hard time. Uh, but they're not the Dundee. It used to give us a hard time back in the soonest days, for anybody that listens to the soonest pod. Uh, <laughs> you know, we certainly know how, how hard that Dundee were back in the 80s. You know, then you've got Hibs at home. So we're playing a lot of, the, a lot of these teams at home in quarter one of the season, and we'll get them again in quarter three. So this is a chance between now and the end of October to really get a bit of momentum before I think we've got Aberdeen the last Saturday in October, last week in October. This is a good chance to get some of the so-called jobber teams yeah, that, are, that are in the league, you know, the, some of the some of the perceived smaller sides to, to, to really get some goals in, get some wins in, you know, and become world beaters again. Not panel yeah. beaters, as Will said, but world beaters because... There was some some team the other week were playing like Barcelona because we're beating ten men sides or beating promoted sides, etc. You know, we we have what's perceived to be an easier run of fixtures. That'll come back to bite us, no doubt. But but we do. We've got a lot of we've got a few home games against some of the small some of the lesser known teams. So this is get more in getting in, getting in November in a strong position. Well, we'll end up in a wee joke there. Motherwell at home might give us a chance to hire a pickup truck and get rid of that bus they parked in our penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh, thanks guys uh, thanks to John Wolf and Elaine for the pod tonight uh, thanks to everybody watching remember like us on YouTube uh, on Patreon as well if you want to give us a, a, a follow on that and get the content that's coming forward there's there's loads of podcasts coming forward for the Soonish Revolution there's a day in history we've got oh, we've just got so much coming so please get involved and uh Thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll see you in the next show. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.